0: Hello and welcome to a very special edition of the Formula E Zone podcast. My name is Jack Jordan-Mainer and today what we'll be doing, we'll just be having a look at the calendar that was released a couple of days ago and the new rules that have recently come out that will affect and start in season six. So with me today to discuss the calendar and the new rules is Tobias Bloom from e-form LD.
1: Hi, thanks for having me once no. again. A regular on, on this podcast. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh,
0: we we still do these like massive intros, like it's someone new, but uh, we sh- it's, it's it's me, Dan, and, and Tobias, as everybody knows. <laughs> but Dan isn't here today. Um, obviously, it's a real short. We put t- together this podcast quite quickly, and Dan is currently away with family. He will be back for the Burn podcast, um, which will come out after the Burn Eupree, But he's not with us today, so it's just me and Tobias just looking through the calendar. So that's where we're going to start now. To bite.
1: Calend- calendar what hmm. were your first impressions um i was amazed that formula e really pulled off the travel madness or is planning on pulling off the travel madness we've heard about this the the stuff happening towards the re-rent of the calendar i don't want to spoil anything but there are there's a lot of travel involved and uh, i was surprised by them actually actually doing it and introducing a lot of travel next year apart from that we've got a few regulars there we've, uh, s- we have we will be starting the season in Saudi Arabia once again and we have, have the stables, we have Chile, we, we're going to Mexico we're going Germany and first and foremost of course we're going back to London, finally yes, London, a such I'm looking long forward time. to that one that's going to be my highlight of the year I mean, I, Berlin always is a highlight for me as a German, but London will really be the highlight of the year.
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to the doubleheader at the end of the season for round 13 and 14 on the 25th and 26th of July. So fingers crossed, because at the moment, people <laughs> I know in who listen to the podcast in Britain, the weather in London ain't great. Um, we're going for a Royal Colts bat for the middle of June. So hopefully by the end of July, it'll be much better. Um, But interestingly enough, I thought with, as you mentioned, Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia is a double header. So obviously last season, it wasn't a double header. This season is, and obviously there's a lot of talk about Saudi Arabia eventually becoming a night race, which I don't think is not happening this season, but that's obviously something for later seasons. But we started in December last season. This season, uh, well, last season the current season, but this next season we will be starting a bit earlier in November. So the first race is on November 22nd and <laughs> 23rd. So what do you think, a nice doubleheader to kick us off, Tobias?
1: Ooh, I like the idea. Um, doubleheaders to round off a season always are popular. Um, I don't see a reason why you wouldn't want a doubleheader for the season opening event as well. Um thing about a double header is I think it makes it a bit more difficult for the new ones Mercedes and Porsche coming in in season 6 they will surely like a bit more time for their data analysis between the first the first and the second race but I mean they got plenty of time afterwards I think it's just a matter of them having a lot less time than they would like between the first and second race especially because they are new and coming in as a fresh team uh, that will make things a bit more difficult than, but not like it, like it's not difficult but a bit a bit more complicated than it than they were hoping for maybe yeah but generally i i do like the idea of a doubleheader um, You know what's interesting? About, yeah sorry to yeah, go that ahead. cut you off
0: and you know what's interesting no, no. What you just bring up um you said that obviously they'll have less time in the race but also remembering that pre-season testing obviously it had the dates haven't been announced yet so the pre-season test in valencia and obviously they're testing now as we speak probably um porsche and mercedes but testing will be mid-october so between you've only got about four weeks let's say to try and analyze that data ready for the first race so even and it's very limited it's only three days so you don't have that much data to go for so that you know that time it could really affect their preparation for those first two weeks
1: I wouldn't say so that's
0: fine that's fine that's
1: fine (laughs) because they've got plenty of of time off track time before in in private testing of course three days teams would always like more testing and uh, would always appreciate more time to to test their cars but with their 15 days even before going to Valencia I think the gap between the pre-season test and the first race is okay um, yeah, yeah, it is
0: four weeks. Like I just, I was just throwing it out there because I thought it was really interesting that you said, you know, obviously less time to, you know, analyse. And I was just thinking, you know, obviously, you know, we're pushing the season closer together. I, I suppose I know in other series like pre-season testing, like Formula One, for example, is only two weeks between the, the start of the season, but they get more days, um, technically, than than Formula E yep. in a combined session, It should only be three days, which we had last year. I know they've got the fifteen days of. Um, private manufacturer testing, but when you're testing your car, and if Mercedes and Porsche, for example, go to the first test session and realize actually, we are not in a position to be fighting maybe at the top, which they'd like, because you know, they're, they're both manufacturers are, are focusing now on Formula E like so many others obviously. like BMW are throwing everything at it and leaving other series to go to Formula E so if they realise they're not there fighting for that title then they've only got really a couple of weeks to try and figure out how they could prepare their cars so they can be competitive and fight the front end, obviously it's all uh, speculation but I think it's, it could be an interesting twist
1: Absolutely, yeah and that's the thing about the Valencia test, that's pretty much the first time other teams get to see how their competitors are doing. They can't change anything on on the hardware side, unlike in F1, teams and manufacturers in Formery can't change anything on the hardware side of their cars after the powertrains have been homologated, which will be by the end of July. So after, uh, uh, when we're going into the off-season, um, as soon, as, pretty much as soon as New York is over, the teams will have had their their powertrains for the new year homologated, and they can't change anything about it. Uh, the only thing they they can work on afterwards then is software. And and, and we know, know, know how
0: crucial that is with um Check Cheetah, Oh, who absolutely! Been amazing with software, and and shown how you can really progress a car throughout the season with software. So. You know that could be a challenge in itself for the teams like Mercedes and Porsche.
1: Absolutely, yeah. The thing so, about I like about Saudi Arabia as well is uh, the timing of it, because we were hearing hearing voices about it possibly be, being a whole month later, and uh, the initial plan was to have the Adiria round um, s- towards the end of December, uh, the f- fourth. How do you call that in English? So Advent it was around. Weekend? They wanted it
0: to be the last weekend before Christmas. So before re- Christmas, re- effectively right. around the twenty-second twenty. You know, twenty. I think it was twenty-second yep. of December is the last week. Is the yep. Saturday, oh, uh, before yep. Christmas, and they, they wanted to put that race there, so there wasn't this big gap because originally there was going to be this gap between Saudi Arabia and Chile um, into January, and they didn't. The sport didn't want to do. He didn't want to create like we've had before those seven eight week gaps between the beginning of the season and the, and the and the following race, so they wanted to keep it quite um, close together. But I don't think teams were too happy about it, and I think you know things sort of emerged um, that caused them to push the season, yep. make the start of the season earlier.
1: And a major part of it, I think, again, was about Mercedes and Porsche. It's their first race. They have a lot of VIP guests. And they, of course, don't want to bring them to Saudi Arabia, of all places, a couple of days before Christmas. And the team, the mechanics and all of them, they want to spend Christmas with their families. Which makes sense. And that's totally reasonable, yeah. And um, so they had to move the E-Prix a week forward they realized, nah, that's probably not gonna work, that's where the WEC race is in Bahrain, maybe move it another week forward, nah, it doesn't work, FIA Gala in Paris, that's where we're all champions get their trophy. so season five, for the, f- the season five Formula E champion will get his trophy in Paris that, that night. The week before F1 season finale in Abu Dhabi not even or maybe ar- around a hundred kilometers away from Adiria so not the timing isn't too great and that's why they, uh, they ultimately decided on the final lap uh, lap the final week and the final weekend uh, of November nevertheless uh, we have a TBC slot uh, on 14th of December the, the date where we have the WEC race in Bahrain um, the season opener doesn't happen there, but we still have an open slot there. Um, Jack, what do you think? Will we have a race there or is that just
0: Well, early yeah, indications to have it? early indications say that it might be Marrakesh. Now we reported that Marrakesh won't wouldn't have been on the on the calendar for season six. There were sort of some issues surrounding it. Drivers were saying it was quite tough in energy. I don't think a lot of people sort of saw that and said, oh, it's prophetic that the drivers said that. Yes, the drivers said that, but I don't think that's um, one of the main reasons um, for Marrakesh not being on the draft calendar. And remembering that Marrakesh was only ever supposed to be on the calendar for one season to coincide with the, um, it was a climate change conference, it was called COP22. Um that happened in that season but obviously it formerly Marrakesh sort of gotten quite well it was a track that they could easily use and easily implement onto the calendar um so we've ended up doing three races there um but f- i don't know if it's not marrakesh if they do put marrakesh back into that slot maybe having to sort out iron out a few sort of like contract details and, and iron out a few things then we might be going to marrakesh i've apart from that i've got absolutely no idea honestly where else we could be going um, it will be a quite a big surprise um, if it's a new place and where that new place could be because you know there's quite a, a lot of really good formulary journalists who've sort of man- managed to predict, managed to find out you know places that have been on the calendar and sort of you know said that this could happen so if a city manages to escape everyone's attention um, being on the calendar hmm. I think that's pretty pretty um, impressive by formulary for keeping it secret but Early signs suggest it could be Marrakech
1: or Sao Paulo. How about that? That would be interesting. We, and I, I, just, I, yeah. s-
0: I said to Lucas. I said to Lucas, like, Sao Paulo into Lagos. Like, into Lagos is right in the city. Like, could Formula E take you know an opportunity rather than you know finding a street track, doing a sort of Mexico thing, and you know racing around into Lagos. Um, and you know, Degrassi was up for that. Um, and thought that would be like a really um, a really cool idea, a really something good that Formula E maybe could try and do, um, rather than making a track, like it's like a hybrid track, even though it's a permanent track, because Formula are finding it so difficult to find street tracks, and they've tried in Sao Paulo so many times, and they haven't got it across the line. So the Interlagos things out there, I don't know how good it would be for energy management, um, because, you know, there's quite a lot of straights, there's, you know, you could probably lift through quite a few parts of the of the track from like the sweeping right hander and going into the little hairpin but i suppose there isn't much of um energy management there into Lagos. but i don't know they've they've tried to get it on the streets of sao paulo quite a few times and failed and even rio de janeiro and they failed um so i reckon if it is to be sao paulo or brazil then it'd be quite tricky so the only way i can see that is being into Lagos.
1: Let's wait and see. Um, we've th- the plan was to have a race in Brazil this year uh, with a circuit going through a park, so similar to Battersea. Uh, yeah,
0: and the Santiago approach Brazilian. that they've taken. Right. Um, which and, moves um, us nicely onto what where round four would be in the championship, because um, okay. we're going back to Santiago into that sort of park hybrid street track. Um, it provided quite good racing last season. Um, that's taking place on January the eighteenth. So, we're really what we're starting to see is there isn't, thankfully, those massive gaps. Yes, you could say it's like a month gap, but a month gap between December you have got Christmas and New Year in that period. Like I think you know they're acceptable gaps. That is,
1: if we have a race in December. That's
0: true. That's uh, true. That's obviously.
1: I'm not sure if. But that's what I hate about former
0: Arena we've discussed this many times before is they put these TBCs on and if it's a TBC and it doesn't happen it just looks silly that it was on the calendar in the first place just don't put it on the calendar because then nobody knows that there was a race that could happen if that makes sense when you put a TBC race on there you're expecting a race to be announced if that makes sense but putting a TBC race on the calendar and it doesn't happen I just think it makes the series look silly yeah I don't
1: know if it's not sure if it would be a better way to have a draft calendar without a TBC and then just add another race um, if, when we when you get it confirmed. Not sure if either of these two ways is great. Yeah, uh, look, I, don't, I don't, don't mind the um, <laughs> TBC
0: being on the calendar. Like I don't. I don't think the fans mind either. But the way the fans will think about it is, and the way we think about it, is if you're going to put to be confirmed... It's to be confirmed because you're ironing out the few details. You're probably 95, 99% of the way there. You're just, you know, you're mm, crossing the yeah. dots and dashes. That's what it should be. A TBC shouldn't be. We've just started talking to um, Helsinki, for example, um, about a race. And we've said December 14th, but we haven't finalised anything. So for me, that would be silly to put as a TBC on the calendar. Um so,
1: Helsinki would be cool
0: That would be cool, I know, I just <laughs> plucked that seed out of my head But I was just like, you know, you think for it to be on a draft calendar And remembering that this calendar starts in, what, five months? Okay, so you'd you'd want it sort of basically about to cross the line To confirm it rather than being miles away
1: Yep It feels like the TBC in December is just a placeholder in case something happens at the moment. You're right. Not sure if that's the best way of going about things, but yeah, I mean, I I don't mind it. Um, We've seen calendars change for the last five years, practically. We've always seen these provisional draft calendars, and we should keep that in mind. The calendar we've seen is just a provisional season six calendar. Yeah, things can uh, change
0: and circuits uh, are subject to um, homologation, if I can get that word out, and (laughs) double header subject to government agreement uh, and that's in Saudi Arabia, so, um, and that's for the first race, round one so November 22nd is you know, still has to be approved by the government Um, so you never know, we might lose the double header, it looks like the 23rd race is pretty much set in stone, but the 22nd might not be
1: Hmm. I'm not sure about it. If if we can pull off one race, I think there there's not going to be any problem no, pulling off the But it's that just you know, it's know. just
0: bear in mind so if you look on the if you go on the former Insane's website or anyone else's website to be fair, like who's shown the calendar, like you'll see that there's like two asterisks next to the first um Saudi Arabia race yep. and and the reason for that is because it's subject to agreement with the government of Saudi Arabia.
1: I think that's maybe something to do with... I'm not really the best in, in Middle Eastern cultures, but I know this year's race was on Sunday, I think. Or this season's race, I think, was on Sunday, right? Because of the weekend m- being... Oh, I'm really bad at it. I might just... Oh no, That's a bit too dangerous, I don't know. Um... I think yeah, well, the, the we'll classical weekend is is different compared to European weekends. Yeah. Uh, we'll uh, just have to
0: see. It's just a wait and see process. I reckon we'll get a doubleheader. I think you know the talk about the doubleheader in Saudi Arabia has been around for a while. And the, the thought of going toward the night race has also been around. So I reckon it's pretty much nailed on to happen. So I don't think we should be too worried about it, to be honest with you. Um, yeah. so where were we on with the calendar? so I think so round five, so round five, we will go back to Mexico on February fifteenth, so these are the sort of you know stable sort of calendar races that we are now. Then Hong Kong will return. there was a bit of question marks around Hong Kong. Uh, I don't know if you wanna mention any of those, but that will race will turn back onto March first, and then round seven, so then we have our second t b c race, but this time we know it's in China um uh, mm-hmm. so. Initial thoughts, Tobias, is that it will be Sanya. Um, draw calendars I saw uh, like a, a couple of days before sort of suggested that, you know, it would be Sanya, but, you know, they are formulary are looking at other cities in China to maybe um, stage a race there.
1: Um, I've also heard about uh, uh, Shanghai. Uh, possibly being it I'm not too sure if it's really gonna be Sanya um, would be cool though um, I re- the location was, was nice it reminded me of Punta del Este a bit um, yeah but also I've heard about Shanghai Maybe it, although Shanghai probably is a bit 50-50 at the moment or maybe 40-60 with the tending towards maybe not this year uh, another possibility is Xi'an um, another Chinese place uh, we haven't seen a race there yet and might um, be interested to see that as well to be fair I haven't got a clue um, <laughs> where we're going in China um, Sanya would be cool we know that they can pull off a race there um, it was good being there not the best race and not the best event of of this year, I'm sure. But I think Sanya would be a reasonable call, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we were going back to Sanya.
0: Yeah, nor would I. I think I, I I'm not saying we're nailed on to going back to Sanya because I know Formulae are looking at other cities. But I think it's it's likely. I think there were some issues around Sanya, like its location. It was a bit hard to get to, and yeah, you know, it was a bit. It looked stunning on 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 the cameras but was it meeting the idea of bringing the people to um the people to the track in a sense i don't know if that was one of the reasons why they're looking at other cities in 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 china so you know that's one to just watch out for but i'm 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 not saying i'm fairly certain well maybe i am i am saying i'm fairly certain that it will be Sanya. but you know formerly we've thrown so many surprises (laughs) so don't be surprised if we go to a completely new city and, you know, China's such a big country and there's so much of China that could maybe be exposed and become a bit more touristy or sort of try and be a bit more open to touristy. Um, I don't know why I'm saying touristy, but like tourists or uh, like locations. Um, so it could be a really good way to show off China in a, in a different light. Uh, and mm-hmm. going to maybe different cities that we haven't really heard of or or have heard of, but, you know, when you think of China, you think Beijing, you think Shanghai. So there could be, like, other cities that are developing, like, that former we could go to and show that, you know, there's this city that you can go and check out now in China. So, um, I think it could be interesting. Um, so just rattling yeah. through then, because then we go into the European cities, and Well, so we think, because there's a, <laughs> a random European city that we didn't realise was in Europe. Um we're going to go to rome in round eight on april 4th and we follow it by paris but then all of a sudden and formerly the big announcement going into well not going into coming out of the calendar was seoul in south korea now obviously that's not in europe but it
1: classic it, european race yeah
0: <laughs> it really it really breaks up the european season because you know the european season continues then we've got berlin straight afterwards but like Rome, Paris, Seoul, then Berlin. Surely it would have made sense to go Rome, Paris, Berlin, then Seoul. Like, I don't know. It feels really weird to split up.
1: It's super weird, yeah. Um, No idea why. Um, Maybe it's the weather. I don't know. Seoul is... Let's see what... I'm struggling for words, but I have no idea why they put Seoul there. Um... To be fair, Formula always wanted to pride itself on its green credentials and I've, I've been criticising it on, on Twitter for a couple of, of weeks already. Um, I don't understand going to Seoul in the middle of the European season um, doesn't make any sense whatsoever uh, because we're going from Paris to Seoul back to Berlin and uh, then we're moving over the pond to New York before heading back to London for the final two rounds of the year. And that's about, I don't know, 30,000 kilometers of travel. And the thing about the calendar is that the teams will have around 10 days, maybe, um, for getting from Seoul back to Berlin. So no one can argue we're using ships and going around the Indian Ocean and... Through the I don't know uh, what what's the canal called the Suez Canal. Yeah. Um, that might be an, an idea, for, for going by ship, but yeah, not really. Um. Absolutely. So I think it's it's clear no, I'm not we saying are where using. is
0: always carbon neutral, yeah. but you know how they always you know they pride about having keeping the calendar sort of you know friendly in terms of you know uh, transporting goods and obviously the vehicles and all the freight that needs to be. Um, Transported, but it just—it doesn't feel like putting Seoul in the middle. Just it feels like it negates that. Like it, you're just traveling for the sake of traveling. It's not organized. You're just hopping from place to place. Like you could have put Absolutely. Seoul yep. in the in the uh, end of the Chinese, because obviously uh, South Korea is close to China, where you've got two Chinese races. It makes sense to maybe put it there, or maybe put it towards after the European season, or you know, somewhere else. But splitting splitting it just felt weird. And we we've come accustomed to the European leg of the championship. And that European leg this season will be split. Um which is just a bit odd, but I think it's just something the Formula E teams are gonna just have to deal with.
1: Yeah yeah. I, I think nobody in the Formula E teams minds too much about that. It's just a matter of yeah, logistics and logistics really is difficult in Formulary sometimes, especially the next race in Bern We're going to to Switzerland next year. That has been a mess logistically, and um, yeah, bringing the cars from Paris to Seoul and back to Berlin. Ah, <sighs> that's a big job, and um, I've I've been wondering and asked the other editors at A Formula D about it. How many Aeroplanes does formally need for one race because obviously we have cars and general freight needing to be transported and usually that can be done by I don't know lorries or, or ships so when we're going to New York I think we're using ships uh, yeah. for going from Berlin maybe bring the cars to Hamburg and then or Bremen or whatever and then bring the cars to New York from from there um, so that's not too much of a problem, but we also have to keep in mind that uh, teams will have to travel as well. And if you think about it, uh, sponsors and VIP guests and the mechanics and drivers and journalists—I think Foray maybe needs ten to fifteen planes per race. Yeah, and that's ecologically, true. that's that's not the best thing anyway and I su- if I we're going to Seoul one,
0: you could argue that the people one you know those planes are already flying like there's no extra passenger planes being put on for Formula E so you know those are the flights so you, those planes will go in there anyway if that makes sense Formula E there or not um so that might be a people but you know the the cargo planes will be sending cargo planes to um south korea so that is affect you know quite a few planes that we'll be sending to south korea just cargo so maybe you can take people out of it slightly but yeah, obviously like cargo will be quite um interesting but also which we didn't mention it's also the third clash so we had the, that clash december 14th bahrain yeah. 20th of march so that sanya possibly the other chinese race will be clashing with the sebring um 1000 kilometers and then you've got the Spa six hours um, which collides with the Sol race. Now, the reason why you know these clashes and we've mentioned it are important because half of the Formula E grid. So basically, there was about forty-five percent, close to fifty percent, were racing in the Le Mans twenty-four hours this weekend. So, you know, I most think the, nine drivers. Most of uh, those nine, drivers yeah. have got actual contracts for seats. Um, you know, drives like Sam Bird. Um, I'm trying to think of some others I know John Eric Vaughn was with G-Drive um, yeah. but there's, there's plenty Lopez of these. Andre Lotter with Rebellion so hardly there's quite a lot of dri- so to, for Tech Cheetah they've got two drivers there technically um, that you know are, are facing these clashes with the WEC championship um, so it's really important because it's put you know those drivers in a predicament what contract do they have to honor to be at those uh, at what event so i You know, these clashes are really important.
1: And remember, Sebastian Buemi lost his championship in Season 4 due to him having a whack contract as well and uh, then missing out on the New York race when Pierre Gasly stepped in for him. And, um, yeah, that's ultimately what cost him a lot of points and ultimately the championship when Di Grassi sealed the title in in Montreal in Season 3.
0: Yeah, it's Um, true and it can have that effect so it could take drivers like Lotterer out of the title out of the title fight I know Sam Bird, I think Sam Bird said before because he's obviously with AF Corsa Ferrari Um, he said that his primary objective is is Formula E with Virgin that takes priorities because obviously he was a part of that clash and AF Corsa had to find a replacement for Bird but you know it's, it's not the situation that Formula E Drivers want to find themselves in, and I think it's inevitable now with WEC doing the um, super season and becoming a winter championship, just like Formula E. I feel like clashes are going to become more inevitable.
1: Yep, (laughs) not much to add there. Um, Yeah, not much to add. Fair
0: play. Right, so Hmm. then wrapping up the rest of the championship season for season six, so we then go to Berlin after Seoul. Um, should we mention Berlin? I think Berlin. We're expecting a new track layout. So, as it's as it's your uh, place of birth, do you want to?
1: <laughs> well, I, I don't know anything about new layouts. I I can. I, I'm dreaming of bringing the cars through one of the hangars. Obviously, um, we've had the Green Tag Festival there this year, and they ha- the hangars have been used. But having part of the circuit going through these hangars would be fantastic. That said, I have no idea and I don't think anyone has an idea at this point in time about how the layout will look like. Um, What I've heard is, yeah it's true, Berlin will get a new layout. Same as Hong Kong by the way, Hong Kong will increase in length as well. Uh, So we're gonna have these two new circuits. Along with Seoul and London then we will see four new layouts next year. Two of them being new circuits, obviously, but at least four new layouts for for Season 6. No idea about how the Berlin layout will look in the end, but I'm sure we'll hear about it in the next few months.
0: Yeah, so then after that, we go to New York for Round 12 on the 20th of June, and then we finish up on the 25th and 26th of July in London, where we'll see what this indoor-outdoor track will will look like. Okay, so that is the calendar for... um, Season six. I'm just going to run it down for you just so to clarify. So, we've got starting the season off with Adiri in Saudi Arabia on November 22nd and 23rd. Then, we've got our TBC on December 14th, followed by Santiago for round four and January 18th. Mexico is round five on February 15th with Hong Kong, round six from March 1st. And then, we have our next TBC in China on March 21st with Rome, round eight, Paris, round nine, Seoul. Big Fonbury's new edition on May the 3rd, Berlin, New York, and then finishing with London. So that wasn't the only thing that sort of was announced, though. Canada, obviously, Canada's always a big reveal, but we saw some rule changes and some rule changes around attack mode. And I think, Tobias, I think they listened to us. (laughs) I think they listened to this podcast and they heard our complaints about (laughs) the use of attack mode under full course yellow and safety car. And that has been banned for Season 6.
1: Yeah, the activation has been banned. Yes. So drivers can activate attack mode and then a full course yellow can be called or the safety car will come onto the circuit. And they can still drive with their attack mode under a full course yellow or safety car, um, but they can't activate it, which is really good. Because usually... Drivers used these neutralizations of the races to yeah to activate their attack mode. The, the, the activation zones always are uh, located a bit offline and that costs time and positions possibly and uh, overtaken is obviously prohibited under full course yellow and under, uh, under a safety under safety car conditions. So drivers always use that opportunity to activate their attack mode and that really costs us a lot of excitement and um, yeah, that's been changed. Um, no no activation of, of the attack mode um, under full course yellow or, or the safety car. And we will have more power in the attack mode. Uh, this year it's 225 kilowatts. Next year it will be 10 more, 235 kilowatts. And um, that obviously will aid overtaking. Um, but the teams will be happy about it as well because in practice they always only get one full beans lap. Only one time they are allowed to open up uh, to two hundred and fifty kilowatts, which uh, will be the output of the 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 MGU um, in qualifying, obviously, and uh, two attack mode laps. And uh, with attack mode now having a bit more power, it's easier to simulate quali laps. Although it's of course not two hundred fifty quali laps, but hot laps with uh, 235 kilowatts obviously are closer to the reality of a 250 lap uh, than a 225 lap if that makes sense. So yeah, uh, that's the, uh, the, these were the two big additions and new things about attack mode. Um, we also have uh, the... W- 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 we also had the uh, stoppings... Of stoppage of the clock announced. Usually, if, you, if we have a red flag, which happened four times this year, um, the race director has to add the lost time to the clock afterwards. And um, now it's been finally made official that we will have the clock being stopped uh, in which these 45 minutes plus one, one lap races, which only makes sense, right? Um, less work for, for the race director yeah. and um, makes things clearer for the fans as well.
0: I think what was interesting with just the, with the speed increase because obviously drivers I remember in Rome were campaigning for more speed under under the under, under the use of attack mode and I think it will be interesting because obviously running at a faster speed means you know you're not going to have you're not going to have great energy consumption, so hopefully running at this fastest pace of two, three, five, you know, makes it a, you know a good use of attack mode, but you, you lose a bit of energy. So then you've got to do some energy conservation afterwards, and you know that might help mix up the strategy a bit. I think the drivers were saying that it wasn't really you know it was a bit easier to maybe gain some of that you know energy back. So hopefully having it for two three five might make a little bit more of a difference make it more interesting now another thing that was announced is that the energy will be so one kilowatt per hour will be subtracted for every minute that we are under caution so basically what they have done they've done this to try and stop drivers you know basically stop drivers from having a flat out race so they're saving as much energy as possible Um, during the safety car period so they can basically go flat all the way to the end and we've had quite a few um, flat out races where races hasn't really been decided on energy management so I think you know it it looks like a good change okay to try and stop races becoming flat out but it seems really complicated to actually implement
1: yep we will need more clarification on that and um, the little bit of information we've we've seen isn't enough to fully comprehend what the FIA is planning on doing with it. We have a general idea of it. Subtract uh, Subtracting one kilowatt hour isn't too difficult from the left uh, energy in the battery. Um, yeah, but technical details are still missing and teams will be looking forward to hearing more technical details about it as well. Um, obviously the full regulations both sporting and technical haven't been released yet and um, yep that will take some some more time but we will know more about what it actually means and how it's done technically subtracting this one kilowatt hour um, in a few months time I would say the other major change and I think the most significant change uh, for the regulations next year is uh, the introduction of a new point for the best in, the, in each qualifying group. So as of today we have three points being awarded to the pole sitter uh, in the SuperPole shootout and drivers have been complaining about it being very difficult for them to advance into SuperPole uh, if they had to qualify in one of the first two qualifying groups because the circuits are still dirty. I feel like we, like we talk about it every, every other week but the circuits are dirtier in uh, qualifying one compared to qualifying four and um it's generally easier to qualify for the Super Pole um if you are starting in Q three. And um or oh the was that a sentence? It's easier to qualify for, for the Super Pole if you're starting in Q three compared to Q1. Yeah, so Q1. if you're in the third yeah. group or fourth um, group it's easier to absolutely. move forward. Yep and um, drivers have been complaining about them not having a chance then and um, them missing out on on the potential of more points and the FIA now counteracts that with um, the introduction of one bonus point for the one setting the best lap in their qualifying group so if you are in qualifying two and are the best out of your six and uh, you don't even have to advance into the super pole shooter because maybe drivers from q3 and q4 were quicker than you but if you are quickest in your group you get another additional point and uh, that should keep the conversation a bit lower and a bit should quiet down critics a bit and uh, critics critics in in the form of drivers obviously quiet them down a bit and um only an interesting addition and I think a good way to make it a bit more fair with the uh, well the disadvantage obviously being so significant uh, it's only fair to have a point for the best in, in, in the qualifying groups I feel yeah so um, the only, the only yep.
0: sort of um, altercation for that is that the driver has to be in the top 10 um, mm, okay. So if the driver is in the top ten and they from their qualifying group, then yeah, you'll get the point. But if you're say group four, for example, but you qualify your highest, you you qualify 15, for example, so you're lowest in the championship, and the best that that person does in group four is P15, then they won't get a point. But if you're in group one and you manage to make it to ninth, then you should get a point. Um, oh, okay. Is the way we see it from from the regulations. Okay. So yeah. So that those were the and also I think Nissan. So the last sort of thing to mention is the Nissan powertrain. Who have got two motors. So it's been very widely talked about. But we will be going to just one motor for season six, rather than the option of having two.
1: Exactly. Yep. And we've seen twin MGUs being applied in Formula E ever since season two. So it's a big big step to um, band them all together um, but we've talked about it at length the Nissan's are really quick out of corners but their powertrain also costs a lot of money and I think that's um yeah that, that, that's the core of it all um, if the FIA had ruled differently and uh, had allowed specifically allowed uh, to an MGs we would have seen other teams also opting for the twin MGU setup and um, that would result in an explosion of costs because it's just a lot more technology (laughs) and uh, that costs some money and um, yeah I think that's that's one of the core core ideas behind, behind the ban of it all also keeps the playing field a bit fair for Nissan it's a difficult story because i've i've just said we only have about six weeks remaining until the powertrains for season six have to be homologated and i'm sure nissan have a plan b in place but i think and i feel they were hoping for um yeah for for them continuing on with their twin mgu setup so imagine they've put all their resources into the twin MGU and the double motor for next year and now all of a sudden six weeks before all the powertrains have to be homologated um, they have to throw their plans overboard and start from scratch that would be terrible I'm, I'm sure they have a plan B yeah. and uh, all of that but um, if they had had started development and focused their development efforts on the double motor uh, that would be terrible news for them. I hope they haven't. Because we were and talking
0: about it, about like maybe be that being implemented for Season 7, so it gave Nissan some time to say, OK, fine, you can do it next season because you've started, but Season 7, we're not going to do this anymore. But the fact that Season 6, so fingers crossed for Nissan that they do have a plan B, and maybe they were sort of expecting this to happen so they could plan ahead. Because um, otherwise, if imagine if they were, as you said, had a twin motor system... And then they're like, oh, we can't use this anymore. And that, that literally, True. you wouldn't expect them to be challenging for anything next season. Next season would be a throwaway season because they wouldn't have put any. You can't, not in six weeks before it's homologated, be able to develop a powertrain that will be able to challenge at the front unless they're miracle workers. Um, but the last thing I just want to mention is that, and, I th- and I'm really happy with this because I had a feeling from where he was starting to rush. Um, things is that the end so obviously we've just had the first season well we are still we've got it but a couple races to go now until um se- season five is finished with the gen 2 car so the first season with the gen 2 car and they were looking to sort of you know introduce gen 3 for season 8 but it looks like the gen 2 car will still be with us till the end of season 8 so season 9 now and I'm, I'm not going to do the maths right now to work out what year that would be, um, but Season 9 will be the first year of a new, completely redesigned Formula E car rather than Season 8.
1: Possibly, yeah. We might even see Season 9 with a Gen 2 car, but uh, what the FIA clarified is that it will be at least until Season 4, uh, sorry, season, season 8, that we will see um, the Gen 2 car, which is good
0: perfect um so before we wrap up i think what we'll do is considering that burn is uh next week so i think we'll just have a look at the main sort of issues now you said there were some logistical challenges now one of the key logistical challenges that the teams will have to face on race day is that the paddock itself where the garages are being stored is actually 800 meters away from the actual pit lane which i thought was really interesting now we haven't really seen something like that since like Montreal, sort of long beach time where, you know, the garages are sort of somewhere else and you've got to pull the cars out um, to, you know, to the pit lane and have a separate pit apron um, where teams sort of work from. But this, it seems like a really interesting challenge. 800 metres away, it's quite a distance.
1: It is, yeah. Um, Reason for it all being, of course, that Bern really is tight and squeezed and uh, the E-Village is located... In the other direction, but also 400 meters away from the circuit, it kind of goes up the hill with the, with the circuit. So, the e-village is really long this time and uses multiple streets and gets yeah, all a bit spread out because there's just no space in Bern. The, the circuit is cool, and um, but, but, but the circuit uses t- practically the only available streets, uh, in the area. And so, every, th- every other thing has to, has to move away. We are, even as journalists, we are located around 1.2 kilometers away from the circuit in the Bern Expo. And um, yeah, that's a long way off, actually, and a long walk to the circuit, especially for the poor photographers. Oh, man, I really feel for those because they want to get back after the session, edit their pictures, and upload them. And um, so yeah, yeah, that's going to be a l- very long walk. Unless maybe they can bring bicycles on all and e-scooters or whatever, it would well, uh, be an
0: interesting challenge. And what you, noti- it will you be noticed you noticed, yeah. um, you noticed some elevation changes. So, so it's quite a, Ooh, the track is actually you know has quite some high elevated sections and goes downhill and uphill. So um, yep. something that could be really challenging on energy management. Obviously, climbing uphill, you're using more power. Um, technically or you'd use more effort to get up there so that could play a a key role in energy management
1: yep absolutely but you also are able to regen more when you're going downhill so the between corner one and turns three four five which is a bit of a chicane roundabout usually that's about 50 meters of elevation and they lose these 50 meters of elevation in a about two, nah, maybe three hundred meters of, of distance on track, so very quickly we're going downhill then we have the chicane and then we're going uphill again and uh, going uphill costs energy but you can regen all of that energy by going downhill, um, but you're absolutely right, regen is going to be critical because and temperatures are going to be critical because you have gravity as your friend going downhill and you can lift off earlier and start the redone process Um, but also that means that the temperatures would rise and I'm not sure about the weather report about Bern but if we had a very hot race with around 30 degrees uh, Celsius there that might be very interesting because region will play a major role and if you region a lot and if it's hot at the same time that means temperatures will rise and um, yeah we will have to keep an eye out for that if it's a hot day
0: perfect and obviously it's a new race new track so it's Mm. anyone's game right? it's It's absolutely anyone's game game. putting a prediction on who's going to win in Burn is like impossible because you know It depends on how good team simulations are. So when they're they're practicing back at the factories, you know, it could really be a major twist in this season's championship.
1: It could be, yeah. But we say that about every race, right? Yeah, that's Um, true.
0: That's true. But I feel like this one's... Well, you know... It's got to be more significant because it's a new track because, you, you know, some of the tracks before release, you know, they've got previous data. No one's got any data of Bern. So, you know, you could go one way and it could go, be completely wrong and that could be John Eric Vern, for example, who goes one way and it does not work. And then all of a sudden Antonio Felix da Costa wins the race in Madrid and the championship going into New York is completely just thrown up in the air.
1: Yep, absolutely. And uh, it's going to be a matter of who adapts best and who is quickest in adapting uh, to the circuit. Um, because you can simulate all you want, but one lap in real life is better than a hundred laps in the sim. And uh, it's <laughs> really going to be a matter of, of who is b- yeah getting to grips quickest with the new circuit in Bern. Will be a very interesting Perfect. day. And um, especially that uh, doesn't doesn't make any anything anything more difficult for the teams, but the timetable has been changed. The schedule is new. We have free practice one starting a couple of minutes before 9 a.m. in the morning. Usually we have we have seen practices start at 7:30. Now we're starting at 8:55, and um, free practice two ends at 10 to 12. And uh, that's usually when we start with qualifying, and the start for the race then is at 6 p.m. Central European time, of course, and uh, you you will have to translate that into your local time zone. Plus six hours to New York and uh, Eastern Standard Time, so it will be 12 midday uh, in New York, it will be 5 in the UK, and uh, yeah, you know the drill. So it's 18 o'clock, sorry, 1800 hours uh, as they say 6 in the evening Central European time that's when the race starts
0: perfect I think I think that's wrapped it up if you've got any questions regarding uh, the calendar or the rule changes um then just feel free to either tweet For or tweet eFilmLD. There's plenty of people there that can help you answer your questions if there's anything you're unsure of. Tobias, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast today. Really appreciate it.
1: Oh, no. thanks for having me on. It's been very much fun.
0: Perfect. Please, you know, remember, you know, like the video if you're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, listening to the podcast, um, you know, rate, review it. It really helps us just, you know, Build up this podcast, reach more Formula Re fans. Um, thank you so much for the support we're already getting on the podcast. Um, it's amazing to see how many uh, comments, tweets that we get, you know, people liking the podcast, and it's, um, it's really great to see. So we thank you so much for listening, and we will see you after the Burn E Pre. See you.